Welcome to episode 57 of Val F. Fish Stuttgart American, an American-based English-language Val F. Fish Stuttgart fan podcast where our views are unofficial, uninformed, and usually unprepared. And we are going to dive right into the uninformed part today, as in part two, we are going to try to break down a inner working back room management uh, situation that has got everybody all a, just a just all bothered in Stuttgart. We don't know anything about it. We can't read German. So we're going to give you our thoughts. And I thought, who can better help us not understand what's going on more than, than Matt? Matt, thanks for joining us to help dispense some uh, valuable information today. I am happy to attempt to pretend I know things. <laughs> so in this episode, Matt, we are going to break down the big draw at Bayern. We're going to talk about the general meeting that took place this past weekend, as well as a press conference that took place um, Monday. And we're going to look forward to the last match for the international break versus Eintracht Frankfurt. What do you think? Let's do it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> You're the only one. All right, so here in part one, we're going to, this is going to be a really strange episode, more so than maybe most of our episodes, is because we're coming off the just sheer joy of the Bayern last second draw, and then there was the drama of the Monday press conference that we had thought we had all kind of escaped over the last few years with the current crew that is running our beloved Stuttgart, so we're going to be emotionally all over the place, but I think as Midwest Schwab said on the Twitter, you know, don't forget about this game. And we shouldn't forget about this game. This was, Matt, did you know that we are undefeated versus Bayern Munich in 2022? That's incredible. I mean, I would consider this a 2-2 victory. And we should break out that old uh, news clipping um, from the U.S. men's national team where Dempsey's pumping his fists in the air and it says USA wins 1-1 against Mexico. (laughs) It was big. Did you also know that we are one of the two winless clubs in the 2022-2023 season? Uh, that one I did know. <laughs> so maybe put the cord in the champagne a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Well, going into this one, we didn't break this match down last week because uh, we were on Shanka America last week. And uh, thanks a lot to those guys for having me on. Unfortunately, people were able to watch the video and see you what uh the face behind the uh the radio here and that was i'm sure disturbing we lost three followers as soon as that video posted (laughs) so i I had an opportunity to watch most of it travis and the the shock america guys do a phenomenal job and i thought you were great on the show and it was really fun to to listen to the back and forth there so good job travis oh we just lost another follower thanks a lot man Dang it. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It made me think someday I wonder if we'll ever advance to the actual because they asked if we had a YouTube channel. And I think I had to ask them, what's a YouTube? You know, because our tech <laughs> skills. And I was like, I wonder if the world is ever ready for a six foot eight giant like yourself and a Roman-esque figure like myself to actually be on video. And I don't think the world's ready for that. That my room that we're recording from certainly is not. 
<laughs> All right, so going into this one, there's not much to break down. Everybody knows Bayern Munich is one of the best teams on the planet. Stuttgart has something like one win, two draws in the last 20 meetings. So this isn't typically a, a friendly place for Stuttgart to go to. But last uh, match day 33 last season, there was the draw. And Stuttgart, by most accounts, outplayed Bayern. Bayern was coming off two draws in a row. I told the Schalke America guys I was not expecting much going into the, this one. I picked Stuttgart in our predictions last week because the odds makers were giving Stuttgart 2.5 goals. I figured, well, what the heck, as did you. This is the match where you really have no expectations going into it. Did you have any expectations going into this one? I didn't really. I was just kind of hoping that uh, we wouldn't get kicked too hard. It was sort of a not-in-the-face um, approach to the game. And to see us come out, I, I picked against the spread, really. I thought, you know, we've been playing reasonably well defensively. Mueller's been playing pretty solidly in goal. Um, I thought we'd hold him within a goal or two and come out uh, with a Vegas win. Um, <laughs> the Vegas win. Yeah, Saturday Night Live used to have a skit where they would do great moments in the spread. And they had the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> who famously have never won a Super Bowl. They covered the spread one year, and they were – carrying Marv Levy, their coach, off the field, even though they lost by two touchdowns. But, yeah, I thought we would hang in this one. Like I said, our, our defense has been quite stable. And, you know, there's something to be said for having a lot of continuity. All those – four of those guys, uh, Mueller, Ito, Anton, and Dino, are all the same guys who played last year. So they're playing really well. So, yeah, I thought we'd do all right in that one. There's no big lineup surprises outside of Vagnamon had the red, so he wasn't going to play this match. Egloff and Fierich were on the bench, which meant Karazor and Tiago were in. And the new signing, Seiru Jirasi, was in as well. well um, here's, here's the thing that struck me. I knew with Karazor going in there, he you knew we were going to play a little bit more defensive. And when you put him in, you're sacrificing um, offense for defense, basically. But he's much more stable. Yeah. Um I was really surprised that he was able to play a full 90, as was Jirasi. Um, neither of those guys had played much. Karazor, because of legal issues that he had put himself in during the summer. Jirasi, because he hadn't played much for his French team when he had come over here. I, I was really impressed that both of those guys not only were able to start, but were able to play a full 90 minutes. Yeah, I was looking at the the box score after the game and was trying to remember the last time Karazor played a full 90 for us. And I couldn't recall. But I, I think it was a smart move by the coaching staff. You're you're not going to go out uh, guns blazing against Bayern, even if they are playing kind of a, a B roster, which is mostly what we saw. Um, and even with – they've been struggling lately, you know, if we're honest – but, uh, yeah, I was really surprised to see both those guys in and going the full 90. Yeah, I, I, I was just – it was impressive, though, because they came on and the defense – the kicker ratings came out and the defense just played outstanding. Mueller was rated a 2, Karazor a 2, Dino a 1.5, uh, Anton a 3, Ito a 3, Endo a 3.5 was the lowest of the defensive players that are strictly defense. The thing that I – as the match started, it was just a very compact, plain – uh, in their lanes, not allowing Bayern to get in the middle. That's the big thing that I noticed as the match started, especially those first 30, 30 minutes. Um, and it was working. 
I got about 30 minutes before the uh, the mouse house decided that I didn't deserve to see ESPN anymore. Um, and yeah, for the first 30, it was, it was kind of a boring game, if I'm honest, but it was boring on purpose on our part. And we were just stopping Bayern from doing anything and looking for little holes, which they weren't giving us. So we'd boot the ball down the field and lather, rinse, repeat. And that's, that's fine as a strategy against Bayern Munich. It's not exciting, but it's effective. Right. And, and it's not to say that there weren't some scary moments. Um, Mueller, let's just shout out to him again. He played in another outstanding match. Um, the two goals that he gave up, I don't think you can blame him for either of those goals. He had a double save in the 30th minute. Um, the goal that Mateus Tell scored in the 36th minute was just a great, I think it was a deflection off Ito, I think, that went in. Uh, we did help make history be made. The youngest Bundesliga scorer ever uh, scored against us. So, I mean, yay. Yay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so, I, by and large, I was really, really impressed by Muller. And what I saw for the game, what I saw in the highlights, and I know bashing on Muller has kind of been my thing, but he's been fantastic this season. He's in the, in the first six matches, he has been just a rock back there. And that's not, <laughs> not what we were used to, uh, to seeing last year. So he had those, that double save in the 30th minute. Then Byron goes up one, nothing. You're like, all right, here we go. But the score stayed one, nothing going into the halftime. I was surprised that Tiago came off because of how well he played last year. But I think I'm just so stuck on how well he played last year mm-hmm. that the reality is Tiago just hasn't really had it so far this season which one of those do you think is the bigger story Furich playing well or Tiago just seemed to be in a bit of a slump I'm more worried about Tiago um, because he was such a, a impactful player last season and he has been kind of toothless and listless and we haven't seen him much really we the first what two three games of the season we saw him and he was just kind of there mm-hmm. um so it was interesting. And then he was sick, right. but it was interesting to see him back in the lineup, which is good. And uh, Furch, I'm, I don't know what it is about Chris Furch. Uh, I just like him. I smile every time I see that he's <laughs> going to get out on the field. I feel like he's a creator of havoc in good ways. Mm-hmm. And that's, that makes for fun football. Yeah. I, I struggle with Furch a bit. I, I, I don't know exactly what position he plays. If he's on the wing, if he's on the, in the middle, there um he seems to play well off the bench coming in as opposed to starting I, i'm concerned about tiago as well i mean somebody's put it on twitter right now that if the season had ended today because stugart has have the purchase option on him would stugart buy him for the i think it was around 14 or 15 million euro and the answer is a clear no i mean it's just not not going to happen so yeah. he's I'm hoping he gets out of the slump. I just don't know if it's a system thing, if it's because he's sick. Um, what's going on? I, I I like Tomash a lot, but I would really kind of grip my teeth if we paid $14 million for him. Yeah, it's been a bit of a struggle. Let's let's get back to Furchin. Let's get back to actually the big talking point in the match. After halftime, there's a uh, turnover. Uh, Furich gets the ball, but there's a slight tug on Kimmich. He passes over to Jirasi, who we think scores his first goal, but it's VAR overturned. I don't know if you saw the highlights of that I, or saw a bunch of the slow motion on Twitter. 
Um, there's a lot of stuff going down that uh, <laughs> trying to wish Joshua Kimmich well after the major injury he suffered with the very slight tug uh, that Furich had on him. Uh, Sven came out and was just dead set against that. It was actually really kind of funny. He said the goal was regular. Uh, this happened to us here before in the first season after promotion. We don't need decisions like that from the referee in a game like this, although it's obviously difficult as a referee to come up against the Bayern lobby in such a stadium and such an atmosphere <laughs> with the pressure that's behind it. Nevertheless, I expected the goal to count. I think not even Bayern can disagree. Uh, the Bayern sporting director said he disagreed. <laughs> so Sven was wrong there. Um, yeah, my big thing is, is I noticed – this early on is that I thought there was a foul on Dino and then later on Endo in the first 10 and 15 minutes that was not called that Byron had fouled them and it wasn't called one was outside the Byron box. And then later in the flow of play, there was a foul by a Stuttgart player against Byron and it was called. And I thought to myself as an NFL comparison, this is like the new England Patriots rule. They're just, they're getting the calls. And is it a matter of the Byron lobby or is it a matter they're so good that the referees just, assume that when they fall down, there must have been a foul. Yeah, I Kimmich can, can warm himself at night with his Golden Globe nomination. It wasn't quite an Oscar-worthy performance, but uh, I think he gets a <laughs> nod at the Golden Globes. Um, and I, I, you make an interesting point on, like, did, does, do Bayern get these calls because they're good? And I feel like teams that are as good and as dominant as Bayern either get all the calls or get none of the calls. And it's very rarely kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I think between it's, it's part the Bayern lobby and it's part that they're just really freaking good. And the refs are going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they do. Mm -hmm. And there's no win for us in this scenario. Yeah. So that, that was a 52nd minute. And my thing was similar to the, the uh, Joshua Vagnamon red card that if you're going to call that penalty against Furich, you've got to call that all day long. And I, yeah, you have to back it up elsewhere. The referee in this game actually had one of the lowest ratings I've seen by kicker a 4.5. So it seems like they tend to agree a bit that maybe there were some calls that I don't want to say it was the Byron lobby, but I do think it's the, the Patriots thing where, well, these guys are so good there must be a reason Kimmich is on the ground for a reason. And that reason must be because he was obviously fouled as opposed to, he just felt <laughs> he just kind of play, play acted a little bit. There, there's probably some unconscious bias going on and you know, such is life. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. Well, let's jump into, so then the next, just a few minutes later though, we have the goal by Furich in the uh, 57th minute, a great, pass by Dino after he got the turnover, gives it to Furich and Furich puts it away for a second goal, you know, in as many matches. Uh, Dino played amazing. He got a 1.5. He made the kicker uh, team of the week. There was a couple times during the match when Dino was doing one of his famous Dino runs where he was just going to go and he turned it over ahead of him and he just kept going. It was like watching a four-year-old play soccer where he was just going to go one direction, <laughs> but he was playing so offensive there. So kudos if you're, so we got it one-on-one, but we don't even have a second to celebrate. Well, we had three minutes to celebrate <laughs> and three minutes later, uh, Musaila scores the 60th minute on just a gorgeous goal that he had Karazor 
just what do they call it where you break somebody's ankles in the basketball as uh yeah let's say because we're so hip here he <laughs> he just had an amazing play Karazor got uh got it by Mueller and then you're like all right well it's two to one here we go it was one of those goals where like you're not even mad about it because you go wow that was pretty and then later you're like ah crap it's against us that sucks <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, just you tip your hat and go. All right, you, yeah, yeah. Not much we could do about that one. And it, it, just a few minutes later, Gnabry missed a chance to put it away. But Jurassic, uh, let's talk about him for a second. So Seru Jurassic, uh, he played for Cologne uh, a few years back, and because Jeff, who's on the podcast, is a Cologne supporter, I saw a bunch of him play. And there's a famous if you, if you look his name up, one of the first things that comes up is him flubbing an open netter. Uh, during, I think, the season they were relegated. He then got shipped off to France, where his value went from something like $3 million to $15 million. He looked good on Saturday. He looked like um, – I thought he was going to be kind of like a Koulibaly type because he could play on the wing and he does have speed. But he looked more like a traditional striker type where he could hold it up. He had one play in the first half um, that led to – it didn't lead to anything, but his foot skills on this play was like a, a pirouette. He was the player of the match uh, by the OFC that voted for this. He was a player of the match for kicker. Um, he was on the kicker team of the week with his 1.5. He had a, a shot off the crossbar. After watching him, his first run in the Bundesliga, it just it speaks to this idea, and we see it with Mueller, is sometimes you got to give these guys a chance to grow and develop. And mm-hmm. The talent's there, but sometimes that potential needs to be put to, to grow. And it looks like this guy has uh, grown. Now, it was one game, so let's sign him forever and make a statue. I'm, yeah, I've contacted Adrian already and told him to design the <laughs> statue, please. Um, that pirouette move, though, I, I just want to take a second on that. It was just, like, you don't see guys in Stuttgart jerseys make that move that often. And then he got the ball out to Silas, who promptly booted out into the stratosphere. But <laughs> it was just, um, yeah, a lot of promise, a lot of hope for, for that guy. Um, and it'd be great if we saw him hang around for a few years and continue to do things like that mm-hmm. uh, that make us tingle uncomfortably. <laughs> he almost had a hat trick because uh, somewhere in the 70th minute or so, he had another goal, but this was a clear foul. Uh, you know, I think it was Furich that uh, found the Bayern player to get the ball back and Jirasi put it away, but that was not very controversial at all. So let's get to the next controversy of the match, which really wasn't much controversy uh, even on the Bayern side. So time is running down. By this point, Egloff had come to the match as well. Dino was out. Stenzel was in. We had Egloff in. Endo was out. So we're going all offensive and two thoughts are going in my mind. I'm like, yes, let's go for it. Also, no, goal difference might matter this season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's just park it up. So Egloff, who we all love, comes on. He has a great run down the left-hand side, crosses it into the box. Jurassic goes to kick it, but he is kicked. I think we got a little lucky because I think he kicked it out of play first, but then the Bayern defender Delit hit him clearly. Clearly hit his foot. Mm-hmm. So he's down on the ground. They VAR it. They make the right call, according to everybody. We got the penalty kick there. 
I don't know were your thoughts was it as clear as I'm making it sound. And the second part is, were you surprised that Jirasi was one who took the kick? Because sometimes when the guy is fouled, there's this, I guess, tradition where he's not supposed to take the penalty. I, I thought it was a pretty clear foul. I, when I saw it on the highlight, I, I knew it was a foul because it had already happened. But I was also thinking if I saw that live, I would be saying that's a foul and we're not going to get it. Um, just because that's how things roll. I was really surprised to see Jirasi take it. Um, to my understanding, typically there's like a, a list of like, here are our three penalty takers if we get one. And maybe he's got a history of doing this that we're unaware of, but I just the fact that the brand new guy on the team is taking the penalty, um, I found really shocking. But huge credit to him. He put that ball somewhere where not even... Superman Manuel Neuer <laughs> could get to it and do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can get a penalty in a top corner, it's game over for the keeper. It is a ballsy move to go there. And if he goes there, totally. I think statistically it's almost unblockable. Like the goalies just can't do anything about it. And he had that one that was off the crossbar 20 minutes before that, that Neuer couldn't move on either. He had two shots. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was kind of looking at the lineup. I don't, think there was anybody else because Silas had already been pulled by that point so outside and Tomas had been pulled and those are the two guys so you're really looking at uh, Juan Pereira who's a kid so I guess it had to be Jirasi who was going to do it I just thought I was like this is all panning out to set this guy up for like some kind of Simone Tarota failure where this is all we're going to remember. Was it Shadrach Akolo who had a chance to tie a match against Bayern Munich a few years back uh, because the Christian Gettner and uh, the, those older guys didn't want to take the penalty. And so he took it and he missed it. And we ended up losing that match. I was kind of worried. I was like, ah, the new guy. Uh, but it all worked out. It was an amazing, amazing penalty kick. We go 2-2. The whistle blows. We're able to walk out of Bayern. And I don't know if you saw you know, the players when they went to the traveling fans. Hats off, by the way, to the 6,000-plus traveling fans who not only filled yeah. the traveling uh, contingent that they were given, but also bled over into the famous kind of T-Mobile sign that Byron has on the one uh, sideline there. They were loud. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say they were louder than the Byron fans because the Byron fans are pretty loud, uh, but they made their presence felt. And it was just so awesome to see all the guys line up in front of them and just see so happy, especially like I, Borna Sosa, how pumped he was. And yeah. Borna is here for probably the whole year now and just to see how into it they were, how excited they were and just how much they deserved that. Heck we deserve that. Mm-hmm. I am consistently impressed with how the Stuttgart fans travel. It's always cool to be watching a broadcast and hear the songs that we know and love over the announcers. You know, like, yeah, the home fans ain't singing that. <laughs> uh, but I, I think we should say definitively that the Stuttgart visiting supporters have better coverage than T-Mobile. <laughs> well played. I guess we can scratch T-Mobile off a potential sponsor of the show <laughs> at this point right now. We're counting on you, AT&T. Come on. There's got to be a burner phone out there somewhere that needs that needs to sponsor a podcast somewhere. Yeah, and Maybe we could get Mint Mobile. Oh, there you go. What about uh, MySpace? Are they still around? Yeah, I think Justin Timberlake bought them. So, yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) 
Uh, there's still a chance. So when all is said and done, the match ends 2-2, a result that is beyond most of our expectations. Uh, I think Ricky Palm said it great actually before the match. He's like, those people who don't believe in miracles don't believe in reality. And he had shown that famous video of Endo scoring, <laughs> you know, at the end of match day 34. So Ricky Palm, shout out to you 100%. Uh, we should think, you know, there's always a chance. And with this club and with this talent, if you can go into Bayern now, like you said earlier, Byron's now has three draws in a row and Nagelsmann, their coach is under fire from the locker room and the press because they're, let's just say this for a second. They're in third place on the table. Now they're only two points behind and it's only six matches in, but come on. I mean, if you're Bayern Munich and you haven't wrapped up the league by the end of October, what are you doing? <laughs> Also, did you see Nagelsmann's outfit? I yes, and I'm glad you brought this up because when I was watching it, I was I had completely spaced on it. Um, but I was like, I gotta talk to Travis about that. What the heck was with that jacket? It's like he had the hood origamied, <laughs> so it looked like some sort of weird sci-fi <laughs> outfit. Like had he had a scepter and weird sandals and been making a pronouncement in front of a green screen i would have gone yeah all right that's that's the next uh thor movie yeah it looked like gandalf's beard was behind him the opposite (laughs) direction i don't know and i didn't quite understand exactly what was going on there so yeah that was definitely something i noticed uh noticed there with him the other thing i noticed is all right matt we've got one match left before the international break it's against frankfurt that we'll talk about here in a moment we've got five points the rest of the table results weren't too friendly for us this past weekend. So as exciting as it is to get that draw, we're still what in 14th place with five points on the table. I don't think any of us thought we'd be at five points, six matches in. No, it's, it's disappointing. We definitely dropped. I felt like we should have taken one against Bremen. Um, I don't even want to look at the schedule because it's just going to bum me out. Uh, <laughs> there, I, I was hoping really for probably six to nine points mm-hmm. out of the first couple games. And so we're definitely feel like we're behind schedule. Yeah. I think eight would be, I, say, I think seven would be fair. I think there's two points out there that we dropped, you know, somewhere, whether yeah. it's the Bremen one or I think Cologne was right for the taking. Um, Schalke mm-hmm. as well. So I think there's two points out there that we should have gotten. And it's just funny how two points can make such a difference. So we're talking about Bayern. They're about to have a fire sale because they're in third place and they're two points behind. I mean, it's, it's a, you hate to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit early to be panicked, but you know, we're Stuttgart supporters. That's what we do. So panic is our thing. It is. All right, Matt, let's move on to part two really quick. Let's talk about that next match. Next match is at home. We are going to host Eintracht Frankfurt. We have played them over 100 times. We have 45 wins to 35 losses. Uh, Frankfurt is 4-2-4 and four in their last 10. Here's the sad part, though. We are only – Stuart only has one win and two draws against them in our last eight matches. Last year, we drew at home uh, – drew on the road, and we lost at home. Uh, they're in 11th place right now. They've got eight points, which we said would be nice for us to have, and they just – 
loss to Wolfsburg after playing in the Champions League. The good news for us is they're playing in the Champions League on Tuesday. Kostic is gone. And another one of their players who scored two goals against us last year, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Austin's not here. Rustic, I think it is, <laughs> is gone as well. The bad news is they have Kevin Trapp, who's an amazing goalie. They've got that little blonde guy yeah. we failed to mention a couple pods ago, uh, Mario Goza, <laughs> who's there. Um, yeah. International break is after this one. They've got a Champions League match on Tuesday. What do you think? Last time we counted on a uh, European competition making the other team tired, it did not work out for us. I'm not going to bet any money on that being a factor. I I do think like Frankfurt, one of the things I like to look at early on in the season is goal differential because it can tell you a lot about like, did this team squeak out a game here or there? Frankfurt's got a negative one goal differential hmm. and we have a negative one goal differential. So I feel like we're probably pretty evenly matched or at least should be. And Kostic, without Kostic, I don't know what they're going to do. He's made that team move and operate completely for the past two or three years. Right. So I'm really, I haven't watched him at all this season, but I'm really curious to see what they're able to do without Kostic running the, the wheels. Yeah. I think this one is, it's funny. You said that you think this is gonna be pretty even. That's actually what the odds makers have this one at a pick them. It's pretty even in this one. I think it's going to end a draw because that's kind of what we do. We're going to have six draws and a loss going into the international break. Um, I, I'm not super impressed with them, but I a hundred percent agree with what you said is the last time we counted on uh, some kind of European uh, weariness, it didn't work. I remember two years ago, we Hoffenheim had like nine of their players out because of COVID. We didn't win that one. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I think what'll be interesting to see is what's going to happen. Is there going to be a hangover after such a great Bayern performance? Or because we always say is like if we bring this same result or the same performance against a lesser team, and no offense to Frankfurt, but pretty much everybody's a lesser team than Bayern. Right. There's going to be results there. Um, with a young team, though, it's kind of questionable about the consistency they'll bring. I'll go back to kind of what I said at the Bayern game. I think, gosh, knock on wood, this doesn't go wrong. Our defense is playing so well. Adino and Waldy, Hikori and Mueller are just playing so well right now that we seem to have figured something out there. And if Jurassi can get on a roll and maybe open some things up for Silas, maybe we can get a result. It's at home. Why not? It's you, you mentioned the hangover, but the other could be true of this could have been a confidence builder. And even though it was a draw, uh, a lot of those guys are probably thinking, hey, we just drew against Bayern, who are the best team in the league by a mile. We can do this and maybe we see some more positive results and that Eintracht are the team that pays for it. All right, Matt, we got about a minute left in this segment. Who you got? It's a pick em. I got to pick Stuttgart. I'm going to go Stuttgart as well. You're leading the way with four wins out of the six matches we picked so far. I'm three and three. I'm going to say it's going to be a repeat of what happened last year after the drop. We're going to carry that confidence in and get the win at home in front of the home crowd. And I think there's going to be a lot of mentioning of uh, Sven Mislintot out of the chanting uh, because of what happened today. Hey, 
So what do you think, Matt? Should we head to part three and do some uh, news and headlines? Let's do it. All right. All right. Welcome back to part three, news and headlines and questions. Uh, Matt and I were talking off the air about how much self-confidence we have and this program. <laughs> so this should, be, this should be pretty good. All right. So first off, we'll get to the news and headlines, and then we'll dive into the questions. Um, here we go. There's a lot that we could dive into. I do want to touch on some of this stuff before we get into the big news. But first off, uh, Kalijic and his ACL. We had Philip Clement, Klimowitz, Mola, Fahir, Baez, Alexis Tibbity, and Roberto Massimo all were loaned out or sold. Um, we have the Pokal that uh, we're going to play against Billfeld at home, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Those are, you know, four stories there. Any thoughts on any of those before we move to the general meeting info? I mean, the Klygic news is just heartbreaking. Yeah, that's – I don't even know what, what else to say about it other than, you know, that's just crushing for that guy. Yeah, he didn't even make it a full half. I, I think he did make it a full half, and then uh, his knee went out. So we are all the best to Sasha. Um, ah, I don't even – yeah, like you said, I don't even know what to say. We didn't – it wasn't exciting how the ending happened here, but, boy, when he was here, he gave his heart and soul to this club. And uh, hopefully comes back stronger from whew, another knee injury there. They, any of those guys that got loaned out, um, I'd even put in Mo Sanko there. He was loaned out at the beginning of the season. Um, any of those guys stick out to you? Any farewells you want to say? Or I was a little surprised to see Mola get loaned out because I feel like he's a really versatile defensive piece. He can play the defensive mid or a fullback role. Um, so that was a little bit of a surprise. I thought Tibbity would get a little bit more of a run with as much as Matarazzo was playing him last season. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he was ready last season, but I thought Reno might decide, you know, Hey, he got some time and he didn't explode on the, the pitch. The most surprising one of all though, is probably Massimo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He ended up going to the second division in Portugal. So there's some weird, I, I think his was a position situation. There was just too many people that played a similar wing back position that he played. Yeah. Activity, I think was a disciplinary issue. He had a lot of mm-hmm. uh, discipline issues at the end of last season that prevented him from playing. Um, Omar Baez and Vahid Fahir, who I was really high on both those guys. Mm-hmm. I think it was a fitness issue for both of them. They don't seem to be ready for the Bundesliga. Um and Baez, I don't think, is even playing for Magdeburg in the second division right now. And Fahir has gone back to Denmark. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on the the Klimowitz one. I'm glad he got loaned out. He needs to get some playing time. And the club has a lot of faith in him. They yeah. actually extended his contract. So I could see him coming back. Um, Philip Clement just never worked out. You know, I appreciated what he did. But he had a great run in with Paderborn, I think it was, before he came to us in the second division. So hopefully he has a nice run there again. I'm with you on Mola. Um when he left that really depleted whatever depth we had at the defensive positions and to the point where they were looking to try to get some kid out of St. Pauli, I think it was. And the Mola loan has a purchase option that is pretty low. And it's almost Hmm. a given that he's going to be purchased by the uh, championship club that he's with Blackburn in England. So 
Sven said we needed to downsize the lineup a little bit or the roster a little bit and certainly did with some of those guys, but all of them, but Clement and Mola are expected to come back. So, you know, hopefully uh, they have a good run, get some time and come back a little bit, uh, a little bit strong. I'm excited about the Pokal match against Billefeld. The Pokal is probably the one event that with a little bit of luck, in our lifetime, our club can win. <laughs> so I, I've got about another 27 years on this earth. If I'm lucky, I, why not start now? It's a match against a, a Billfield team that's struggling in the second division. It's better than Augsburg who has to play Bayern. I like the Pokal. I think it's a neat concept. A tournament inside of the season is cool. I don't like playing Bielefeld because I feel like Bielefeld is one of those teams that always does better against us than I feel like they should. And I feel like even when we were in the second division with them or when they were in the Bundesliga last time, they were terrible all season. And I don't think we beat them either time we played them. I know we do get to see Fabian Bredlow though. It's the only time they dust him off and put him <laughs> in the match. So we get to see Fabian. So that'll be, but, and, and we'll get to uh, see Klimowitz. He'll be back since he's playing with them now. So, uh, we got that going. Hey, did you know Clemens' dad used to play? I have to look that up to confirm that, sir. <laughs> that is one of the downsides I'm pretty... not playing this year is that we haven't heard the announcer say that seven times per match. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Clemo, we miss you. All right, Matt, let's get into the nitty gritty. Now, this is going to be really good because this reminds me of that episode we did last spring when Hitzelsberger and Klaus Vogt had the power struggle and you and I tried to break down the inner workings of the, of how Bundesliga clubs work. We used your love of data privacy, my love of being pedantic and trying to teach people and talk too much. And I pretty sure it was one of our lowest rated episodes ever. So let's see if we can repeat that again. I bet we can do even better this time. <laughs> It's so quantifiable. All right. So there was a general meeting on Sunday. It was pretty tame. Only 500 uh, supporters and members showed up to it. I remember Godzilla, who runs the Reddit page and is on Twitter, the Stuttgart supporters, said he didn't go. It just, there was no big issue. There was no big thing to talk about. Yeah. And everybody agreed. But something was revealed at the meeting that uh, Verrill, Alexander Verrill, who is the new chairman of the, of, of the soccer team, mm-hmm. or the football team, revealed that there are going to be some new faces that are actually old faces that are going to join the club. So here's what happened. Uh, So the future of Sven is unclear. He has a contract until the end of this current season. And Alexander Verrill announced that they're going to have talks, but they haven't had talks yet. And Sven has been pretty open about that. So Philip Lom of World Cup and Bayern fame and Sammy Kadira who played for a number of internet uh, teams outside of uh, Germany and was on the World Cup team, are both going mm-hmm. to be advisors to Verrill. Now, they both have Stuttgart roots. You know, Sammy Kadira played for the 2007 championship team, and Philip Lom played two seasons, I think, in the early 2000s for the club before going to Bayern. And they're going to only act in an advisory capacity for the board and executive committee, and the duo should bring the view from outside into the club. So one of the things that Verrill wants is some outside views on how Stuttgart can improve. The big surprise was Christian Gettner was brought in as well. Now, Christian Gettner was part of the 2007 championship squad as well. He's the answer to the trivia mm-hmm. question, one of the only players to win the Bundesliga title 
not having played for Dortmund or for Bayern. He played for Stuttgart and then later <laughs> for Wolfsburg. Uh, but his exit wasn't too ceremonious. And Sven was actually the one who did not extend his contract when we were relegated uh, the last time down. He's going to be working in January in the operational business as head of the licensed player department starting then. The weird thing is this, is that even Christian Gettner admitted at the press conference today that the exact distribution of roles has not been determined. Um, He is to work under Sven Mislintat. But what makes this even richer is that Sven apparently wasn't made aware of this new arrangement until it was announced. Now, most likely he knew about it before it was officially announced, but Alexander Verrill was working on this without his input. And Verrill's explanation is this, is that we need outside views to help Stuttgart. And Philip Lom has championship pedigree. Sammy Kadira has championship pedigree. Uh, Christian Gettner has been a longtime Stuttgart player. So Mm -hmm. that's Verrill's response uh, uh, to this. But everybody's really surprised because Sven wasn't made known uh, of this. It was kind of on the outside. And he was at the press conference, but he wasn't at the podium. So the eyeball test is really kind of bizarre to a lot of people. So let's deal with this part first. Let's deal with the the bringing these three guys in, and then we'll try to unpack in a little bit where Sven's at in his contract extension. So there's a lot going on here, but long story short, Alexander Verrill has brought in three outsiders to help advise the club on how to improve. Two of them are going to work under him. One of them is going to work under Sven. What are your thoughts on this situation? Sounds like Farrell needs twice as much help as Mislin taught us. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> hey, <clears throat> two points for us. Um, I This is, it's tough. You get guys who are former players who obviously know football, know the Bundesliga, um, but that doesn't mean that they're good executives or good coaches. And the classic example I like to go to with this is uh, hockey because there's just such a blaring example. Wayne Gretzky, one of the greatest players of all time, was a horrendous coach and a terrible general manager. And it's just it doesn't always translate. So I don't know how well it's going to work if their job is to show up to the office and have a cup of coffee and shake some hands and say, I think this based on what I saw in practice yesterday, like, yeah, okay. Um, But if they're executive decision makers that are really impacting who's in what position at the club, I'm going to be a little more concerned. Yeah. It's Stuttgart supporters are very sensitive to this because when you and I became, well, maybe especially I, when I became a supporter, there was a lot of drama and there was a lot of stuff going up in the, the front office. And it blew up on, it was Reschke, it was Dietrich in the mid 2000s, the, the old director mm-hmm. of sport and the old uh, president of the club. And it blew up and we seem to be going in a very particular direction with what Sven Mislintat had, even Hitzelsberger had, Klaus Vogt had, openness, youth. We know what we are as a club and we need to get back to our roots if we're going to have success 
and move up the table. And yeah. it's a process. It's not, it's a Freiburg more than it is a Bayern. It's going to take five years, a decade, whatever. And I think we had all bought into that. And I think you had seen yep. the support for the club increase in terms of membership, increase of in terms of uh, just the stuff that I've read on Reddit and Twitter has been so much more positive over the last couple of years in the seasons haven't been, let's be honest, haven't been that great the last really year and a half. No. So I think bringing we all love Sven. It's as simple as that. We all love Sven. Mm -hmm. We love his vision. We love the players he's brought in. Um, He turns a profit on a lot of guys. Not everybody's a hit, but he has more hits and misses. And the optics of this are bizarre. And bringing in somebody to work under somebody. So bringing in Christian Gettner, who I don't understand why all the supporters don't like Christian Gettner. I, I just, I'll admit I'm completely ignorant of that. I don't understand. But bringing in anybody to work under somebody else and that somebody else doesn't know about it or agree to it seems yeah. really weird. So the, the Gendner thing I, I thought was fascinating. Um, and I did some Twitter spelunking to try and get to the bottom of why people are so anxious about Gentner. And the the gist of it, it seems to be that Gentner was a an old boy, like old boys club kind of guy. He was all about the old guard. And if you'd been there and you'd put your time in, that was more important as a player, that was more important than your ability on the field. Mm. And so the locker room culture was one of, if you haven't been here, it doesn't matter. And pushing guys out who hadn't been around the block a few times, you know, kind of protecting his buddies who maybe were underperforming. And that could explain why for a number of years, we were wondering, you know, how come these young talented players who come on and do great, then shuffle off for parts unknown. And it also, Another thing that I thought was really interesting is somebody um, in one of the Twitter threads I was reading pointed out that Gentner was a guy who would tank a coach. <laughs> and like, look at how many coaches Stuttgart had while Gentner was the captain. And that's, you know, correlation isn't causation, but it's hard to look at, at those two data points and not think there's something going on there. And I'm a guy, I like Christian Gentner. My first Stuttgart kit I bought at the stadium. It's got number 20 Gentner Flocka on the back. He was the captain for most of my early fandom. So it was really kind of disconcerting to read all of this, Mm. but it's coming from people who have uh, much better Stuttgart bona fides than I do. (laughs) So I I don't know. It's concerning. I, I'm with you. He, that's the first hit with a player's name that I ever got to was a Christian Gettner kit. Um, and I remember when he had that horrific injury against uh, Wolfsburg and how yeah. he's, he's been a Stuttgart guy for a very long time. So there's a lot of pauses there. I don't quite understand. I know he was a face of two relegations and I know um, perception mm-hmm. is reality and it could be, it could be kind of that. I, I don't true understand a lot of it. I know a couple of people tried to reach out to us to try to explain a little bit, but I think it was like Midwest Schwaba said that it's too complicated of an issue to text in 140 Twitter <laughs> <laughs> words or letters, which That's I fair. get. I, I think the biggest thing is I, I don't mind Christian Genner. I, I don't know enough 
to know to know whether I should mind. I just find it bizarre that uh, I get Philip Lom and Sammy Kadira. They played for clubs that were very successful, both inside and outside of Germany. And if their job is simply mm-hmm. to give Veral advice on, hey, this is what happened in Bayern, or this is what happened at um, Juventus or whatever, um, which I'm hoping yeah. Sammy Kadira played for because I actually don't know. I just made that up. But uh, I think I think he did. Oh man, my research is paying off. So if he, if he <laughs> played, if if that's it, I guess I I get it. And and Sammy Kadira and Phil Blom have been wanted by other clubs. That's the other thing. I think Verrill went into this press conference thinking this is going to be a huge steal. I'm going to impress everybody that I was able to get these two guys that other clubs mm-hmm. have wanted, but couldn't get. But guess what? They're here giving advice. I mean, I, Philip Blom said, yeah, I'm probably not going to go to many games. I'll watch it on TV. <laughs> Sammy Kadir said, said, yeah, I will go to games and I'll I'll be there. I just, I don't understand the Christian Gettner for Sven Mislintat. Um, I don't understand what Christian's, you might as well get Georg Niedermeyer to come yeah. back or somebody like that. I don't understand how he's going to immediately retire from the uh, Swiss League, I think he's in in January and how he's going to help with squad planning all of a sudden. Um, I think somebody said it on Twitter that maybe this is just a way to train him to eventually be a sporting director, which, okay. But, you know, Sammy Kadira mentioned one of the reasons he wasn't doing that is because he's like, there's so much I need to learn. I can't just jump into that. And Sammy Kadira has been out of football longer than Christian Gettner has. I just find the whole thing strange and concerning and puts a dark cloud over what we've all been really happy about, even though this team hasn't had crazy great results lately. Yeah. The, the Kadira thing, um, he was one of the three that makes the most sense because you look at what he's been doing since he's been out of football and it's kind of bouncing around, learning some stuff and everything that I read from everybody, regardless of what they were saying about Gentner alum, they were all saying Kadira is a genuinely curious person who is trying to learn this stuff and has been on the path for a little while this makes sense um the the gettner thing i i don't know i don't i don't get it i don't let's try to focus on so there's a lot of questions here and and i tried to read a bunch on twitter to try to understand what's going on and i'm guessing there's people out there who could argue you went to Twitter for your information that's probably not a great great start fair enough touche um there were two camps. The, the larger camp was, oh, my God, what is happening? This is an embarrassing right. press conference. Uh, Veril came off very bad at this thing. It looks very unprofessional because Sven wasn't notified of the situation. He wasn't even up on the podium. Who is Christian Gettner to, to come into this situation? There was a much smaller camp that was on the other side. And let's get into that really quick. So, uh, regarding Sven, so here's what uh, Veril said. It's like, there was a transfer period, and then, quote, we agreed that we would start talks after the transfer period, and that's what we'll do. I'm not going to give any reports. If there's a decision, I'll announce it. I'm going to take the time to make the decision that is in the best interest of Balfi Stugart, and that's what it's about. Uh, then we'll communicate it. I have to disappoint you. I won't let myself be put under any pressure. This is where people got a little upset. We will enter into intensive talks. I'm looking forward to it because we have a few things to discuss in this process. Neither of us are pleasant contractual partners. I think he was trying to make a joke. I wasn't there. I can't speak German. 
I just read the transcript translated. I think he was trying to make a joke about it, but it, in my opinion, fell flat. Maybe the, the wording, something like we're both hard bargainers or neither of us enter into these conversations easily. Maybe he was trying to make a joke. I, I don't know. This whole thing is just really irritating and frustrating to see the team go from such a positive direction to <laughs> let's have internal strife. That'll be fun. We missed that. Yeah. It, so here's, let's wrap it up. So uh, Sven was actually at the press conference, staying in the back of the media room. And Veryl said, I see this as a positive signal. A uh, quote, if Sven found it all stupid, he wouldn't be standing here. Uh, and then Mislintot put a statement on Instagram, how, you know, uh, in favor of this he was, how it's going to be great to have uh, professionals of such a high caliber giving their feedback. And Veryl, you know, basically ended with, hey, relax a bit. Everything's going to be fine. My concern is I went on TransferMark to find out you know, what exactly are these guys doing? And Sammy Kadira and mm-hmm. Philip Lom, their positions are already listed on TransferMark, which is the website that kind of tells you everything you ever want to know about any team, any player, anything. Christian Gettner's yeah. job doesn't exist. His position has been created out of thin air. And I think that's a very fair question for people to ask. This is a club that counts every nickel and struggles to add a couple nickels together and you're creating yeah. what I assume is a paid position that doesn't exist for a guy that doesn't, I don't want to say he seems qualified for it because I don't know what the position is because it doesn't exist, but it just, right. it's just another piece of info that adds more question marks than the explanations. He's not had any position off the field that I'm aware of in any organization. So what do you, gonna hire a guy to do who's done one job for his entire life and you're clearly not hiring him for that job what do you got him doing it it's a fair question to ask and if if nothing else uh what we've learned is that verla is a garbage communicator (laughs) because the everything that they could have done wrong with this announcement they did wrong every way they could have made this weird and awkward and made the fans all angsty they did that so if your goal here is to be clear and concise and let your your supporters know what you're up to in a positive way and get the fans behind it big fat f on this one yeah this reminds me a little bit of the uh unfortunately i'm a cleveland browns fan and um which by the way they won their first opening game in i believe it was since 2004 i'm almost 50 now i was 30 years old back then that's how long it's been since that team has won so i know disasters and dumpster fires when i see them but when the browns rolled out deshaun watson at the first press conference and if you don't know anything about the nfl just google deshaun watson and you'll know yeah. and they acted like it was hey everything's good and the questions they got from the reporters clearly indicated that no it, i agree with you this I think Barrel went out there thinking this is going to be huge. Um, everybody's going to be excited to see these guys come back. And even mm-hmm. if Christian Gettner doesn't bring a ton of excitement, and I really do hate to bash on the guy because, but Sammy Kadir and Philip Long, everybody's going to get super pumped and excited about that. And yeah. I think it blew up in his face. And right now there's a lot of questions that unfortunately he's going to have to answer for. And I've seen some people questioning Klaus vote too. 
which is disappointing sure. because he was pretty popular with the fan base and it can turn, you know, really quickly. Let's try to focus on the positive though, is um, like some people's on Twitter said, and, and Daryl said it himself is that, you know, we're going to enter the negotiation period now. And it's at this point, now we'll find out what's, what's happening. I would imagine we'll get some news, good news in the next two weeks because we have the international break coming up. And I guessing if we don't hear anything by after the international break, I I don't know what the odds makers have this one at, but if we don't hear anything in the next two weeks, I don't know if Swen's coming back after this season. I, I think if we don't hear anything in two weeks, it's time to reasonably start getting concerned. Right. So, um, but it, it, so I, as you just to continue to beat this dead horse, just a little bit. <laughs> so, as you said, there was an opportunity for a lot of excitement here with Kadira and Lom coming back. And, and even if, if they had done this right, it could have been like, we got these guys and just announced them all together. And people wouldn't have probably gotten quite as angsty, but just, the ham-fisted way that they handled this, just like the Browns saying, we brought Watson in. He's fine. We fixed all of his problems. <laughs> Everything's great. Like, no. Uh, right. Yeah, so hopefully it was just a PR mix-up and a communication mistake. I did see somebody wrote that, you know, one of the people who's trying to be positive about this is, you know, hopefully Veril saw what happened here and realize he overplayed his hand a bit and that yeah. how the fans feel about certain things and the supporters feel about certain things. I think, and this is where I'm going to wrap it up before we get into questions to uh, mercifully end this podcast is that um, I, I think that's <laughs> where I was so disappointed. And I, maybe I have no reason to be disappointed is, is just that the reason I love Bundesliga and the reason I love my club in particular is it's more than just the, the wins and losses. It's, it's more than just, yeah you know, what happens on Saturday. It's what the club stands for. It's why certain people support Cologne, certain people support Freiburg or St. Pauli. And if you're a person who hates the environment, hey, there's Dynamo Dresden for you. You can, you know, you can get one of those clubs. I mean, there's right-leaning clubs too for, for those of you that are out there. I just, I love that our club stands for something. I really love this two and a half, three-year journey we've been on to where what we stand for is youth. And yeah exciting football and i don't want that to go away and since we've been doing this podcast that's really all we've known is that that kind of mm-hmm. that brand and that's i guess that's where my disillusionment sets in and hopefully it's just the moment as opposed to what's actually going to happen and it'll all you know turn out for the best and Sven will sign a you know 30-year contract and it'll all be good work let's get into the questions really quick Captain Armadillo says, don't worry about Sven at all. The story was probably leaked to strengthen Valpi's position in upcoming contract negotiations. He ain't going nowhere. With the tie that felt like a win, he wants to get back in the match. Is next weekend the time for three points finally, or will we collapse again and spend the rest of the season worried about relegation? Captain Armadillo, I say yes to the both of those. We got to get three points. But looking at the table, uh, I think we're just going to be in the relegation zone all season long. Sven said it earlier. Our first place is 13th. 13th place right now is six points. Uh, 15th, 16th place is what? F- uh, five points. It's going to be a tough slog all season long. I think we need to get three this weekend. 
just to settle everybody down. I think we can get three this weekend, but mm-hmm. I think regardless if we get one, three or zero, this is going to be a constant refrain most of this year. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you and I, I captain everything you said. Uh, I, I think we will hover right in that 12 to 15 range for the season. Just like get comfortable here. This is what life's going to look like this year. <laughs> uh, Bluey has asked, do you think Valve is currently on an upwards or downwards trajectory after the Bayern match slash considering the recent news? I'll let you tackle this one first. I think we're on a forward trajectory, Bluey. <laughs> Always forward. Forza Valve. There's nowhere to go. <clears throat> <but forward. laughs> I, I'm going to say upward because we we did a thing against Bayern that we haven't done against anybody in quite a while, which is play a, a really solid tight defensive game and take advantage of, uh, of opportunity on the counter. So I think that's a real thing to build off of. And I feel like that's something Matarazzo can build off of and will. I agree. I think somebody said it earlier. I like always saying somebody said it that way. I don't have to give credit to anybody (laughs) kind of play it off as my own idea is that these draws while not fantastic, there are at least points that we're stacking up that we weren't stacking up last season. And so even though a, a Bremen draw is not fun or a Schalke draw is not fun, we're getting points where we didn't get points last year. So I think we're on the upper trend as well. Uh, we've got some matches we can get points against and we've proven we can get points against anybody. So I, yep. I think things are looking in the positive when it comes to the, the play on the field. And part of that goes to our last question. Uh, Flabby Viking Robin asks, any ideas on how we get the old Silas back? I miss him. On a lighter note, how good did Jirasi look? How and with which players do we best complement his skill set? I think this question is kind of together. I'm excited to see how Silas and Jirasi play. I was really impressed with him. We talked about him earlier in the, the show. He gave, showed a lot more than I expected. I don't think it's a one and done situation. I think he has a particular skill set that we're lacking. Mm-hmm right now um i think c loss is just him getting back into form and it's just it it takes one or two shots that get past the keeper and all of a sudden he's the the old c loss i think as the season goes on his his finishing will get better but especially his touch will get better and i think it's slowly gotten better the six matches we've seen the ball isn't bouncing seven feet away from him anymore uh he still has to get better at that so I think it's just time, uh, Flabby. I think it's just some time with him. And hopefully having uh, Jirasi there will help take some attention away from him so he can do what he does so well, which is just sprint down that side, do some one-on-ones, put some goals in the net. I think time and he needs a little bit more space. Teams have been able to collapse down on him a little bit more than normal the last couple of games because there hasn't been a counter and that's, we've talked about that in the preseason, like the idea of Silas and Tomas up top um, wreaking havoc. Uh, I think the new guy can be just as effective and maybe more effective since Tomas has been kind of struggling a little bit. Yeah, I think Jurassic is just more of a natural number, was it number nine? Um, I was kind of surprised they gave him the number nine, jersey, sure. by the way. <laughs> um, but he's just, I think, more of a natural there where I think Tiago is trying to find his attacking position at this point i don't know if you can put him up front i feel like he's best as a as a number 10 as kind of a poacher attacking mid 
guy and um maybe we can see him in that role now that we've got Jirasi and let Jirasi and Silas run at the defenders and get them out of position and then Tomas slide in behind and make them pay it's gonna be exciting because one of the downsides of putting Karazor in is you can't put in um whether it's Egloff or Fierich or whatever it's you have to make a sacrifice and it's probably gonna be that Tiago Egloff Fierich triangle um, at some point, but then Vagnamon's coming back next match. So where does he go in? So it's going to be interesting to see where we put it. It's just, I think we need Ada Karazor in there because he brings a leadership that this club just needs. And Valdi Anton does great with it um, in the back, but Karazor is more up there in the middle. I don't know who you take out. I'm excited to see who we put on the field uh, this, this weekend, but yeah, Jurassic looked great. Silas, I think it just needs some more time. And hopefully we get those uh, that three points as we can. So there's nothing worse than going into the international break with a loss. So come on, guys. Yes. Make it a feel-good weekend. Give Sven a contract extension. Sign Georg Niedermeyer to the liaison position. Get Daniel Ginchek and Martin Harnick. That's who they should have gotten. Ginchek, oh, Martin Harnick, Georg Niedermeyer, the whole crew. <laughs> I just shuddered. I'm not <laughs> shuddered that. No, please. Pablo Mafio, bring him back. He loved it here. <laughs> I, I'd take him over Harnick every day. <laughs> oh, no, Martin, don't listen. If you're listening, though, we do need a podcast sponsor. So give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, we have to wrap it up there. Hopefully we uh, bored everybody to tears with our analysis of something we really have no clue about. You know, uh, we don't, but we did a really good job talking about it at length. <laughs> ah, all right, folks, join us next week when we decide to discuss, uh, I don't know, what? The stock market. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'll be good. <laughs> ah, all right, Matt. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week.